This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Fantastic. All right, good. Glad to have you on. We haven't, I don't think we've gotten you on the podcast yet, so I'm glad we were able to. Even if Philip's not here, I'm glad we were able to kind of get your voice out there for everyone. Woo! All right. Well, let's just jump right in. Uh, we're going to talk briefly about the uh, the basketball game on Sunday. It's really the last marquee uh, non-conference game for Oklahoma State until South Carolina in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. This game is neutral site in Sioux Falls. Uh, it's kind of a weird matchup, but this is the fourth kind of big non-conference matchup for Oklahoma State in a row. Uh, they're 0-3 in these games, and I just don't see this game getting any better. Um, it would suck to go 0-4 in this stretch, but I think that's just the way it's going to fall right now. Michael, what are some of your thoughts on this game? Um, Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think they'll win it. I think it'll be close-ish like the others, um, but I, just, I think this team is still got too many – too many signs of being young as far as turnovers and fouls and all that kind of stuff. I just, I don't see them winning this game. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't think this, I think and th- for the most part, um, Nebraska is a pretty experienced team. They're playing well this season. They are eight and two, I believe big win. Uh, they won by 19 against uh, Creighton in state rival there. And uh, that's a huge win. They've also beat uh, Illinois. You know, you just hate to see that. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, but yeah, th- this is a really good team. They have three, you know, three of their best players, uh, James Palmer, Jr., Isaac Copeland, Jr. And Glenn Watson, Jr. All juniors. That's interesting. Um, but no, James Palmer's kind of the main, he's their main go-to scorer. Uh, he had 30 in that game against Creighton, uh, averaging 18, almost 19 points a game. Uh, Glenn Watson, Jr. is their sniper from the outside. He's shooting four, almost 48% from three. And then Isaac Copeland's kind of their go-to, uh, just all-around guy, kind of like Isaac Likely is for Oklahoma State, uh, averaging 14 points, almost 15 points, six rebounds, a couple assists, a couple steals, averaging a block, too, um, and shooting 56% from the floor. So, I mean, he's he's kind of an all-around guy. This They have a bunch of guys that they can go to that all play 25 to 30 minutes a game. They aren't real deep, but they have, a, you know, a good uh, variety of guys that they can all go to. They don't rely too much on one guy, and that's kind of my worry with Oklahoma State is – they don't have a go-to scorer. I feel like they're all pretty consistent together, but they just need – I need one guy to step up in this game and just have a day. Like Cam McGriff yeah. against LSU, he had 28 in that game. We haven't seen anything like that from anybody since that game, you know, where they just go off. And, I mean, Isaac Likely, I, I think he led the team with 16 in the game against uh, Houston on Saturday, but 16 points as your leading scorer isn't going to win you many ball games. And when no. – 
yeah, and when you have guys like Cam McGriff and uh, Lindy Waters and Michael Weathers all having terrible shooting days, going six for twenty six in that game, you're not going to win many ball games as a young team when you're two of your go to scorers and another guy off the bench who is becoming that for your team is turning the ball over and missing open shots and just not playing well. You're not going to win many games. So you Oklahoma State needs a guy like Lindy Waters or Cam McGriff specifically to just be a go-to scorer, be the alpha dog on the floor, and knock down shots. And I think that gives Oklahoma State an opportunity to win, even with the young team. But I just don't see that happening because we just haven't seen it consistently enough this season. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that the one thing that this team needs right now is for that one guy to step up and be a star. I kind of right, kind of I feel like right now they're sharing it, mm-hmm. which I mean is is fine, and it's what you it's it's what you want at points. But you do need to have against a a, a a good team like Nebraska, you need somebody to just step up to the plate and have a day. Yeah, exactly. This is one of those that, you know, I want to see. It took a little bit. We saw this a little bit last year as well with this team right around this time is they just didn't have a guy that was go-to at that time. Now, Jeffrey Carroll, after missing the first couple of games, he kind of became that. And as the season progressed, he kind of became Kendall Smith. And so I want to see, as the season progresses, I need to see someone step up and be that guy. Cam McGriff has shown flashes of it. Thomas Azog was even shown flashes of it. Isaac Likely has. Michael Weathers has. But, you know, I just need to find – they need to find a guy that they can just go, hey, give me the ball. I'm going to knock down the shot. I'm going to get us back in the game. And once we start seeing that, I think the wins will start to come. But right now, we're just – they're going – not necessarily going through the motions, but they're just trying to find their identity right now, really, just as a young team. And – I don't think, you know, even if Oklahoma State loses this game, which I think there's a pretty good chance they do, it doesn't concern me, doesn't bother me moving forward. Philip and I have talked about this, you know, ad nauseum on this podcast of this is this is going to be a rough year, but it's not like it's a rough year that's going to send us in a spiral for years to come. This is the first year of really a true rebuild, and while it sucks to lose right now, next year it's going to be better, and the year after it's going to be even better than that, knowing how Boynton can recruit. So we lose now, it's fine. As much as it's painful to watch, it's going to be okay for the years to come. I'm not concerned about losing a neutral site game to Nebraska right now when I know in two years we're going to be competing in the Big 12. So everything is going to be fine. Yeah, and I mean, it, with with them being predicted by the media and things to be last in the Big 12, I mean, the worst that could happen is what people were expecting them to do. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I don't even think they'll finish last in the Big 12. I think Baylor probably will. And I know Philip and I talked about that on Sunday, but uh, so I won't go too much into that. I'm trying to just repeat some old podcasts uh, to everyone here uh, that's hopefully listened uh, to all hundreds of viewers that we get. Um, occasionally we get 100. I don't know. Um, anyways, uh, I digress. Uh, this is just a team that, you know, I really. I enjoy watching. Um, we saw flat. You saw flashes of how good they can be in that Houston game, but then we've seen what happens to young teams when they just go through the dry spells of not making shots. Second half is a perfect example of that. They come out and knock down three or four shots in a row and force a Houston timeout, and then they didn't. And then I think they only scored sixteen points the rest of the half. So you really see that inconsistency. And if they can find some sort of consistency on the offensive side, because they're going to play solid defense, it's just what they do. It's what Oklahoma State basketball is branded and built upon. And if they can do that, then I think they can keep themselves in games right now. It's kind of finding that rotation. And what I'm really curious to see, and I just thought about this for some reason, I know I kind of briefly mentioned it on Sunday. Oh, yeah, Curtis Jones plays in this game. This is the first game that we get to see Curtis Jones. And I think he's going to be a huge lift off the bench because Michael Weathers is a great Handler of the basketball, despite the turnovers, that's going to change, I think. So is Mike Cunningham, is kind of a senior guy that comes in off the bench to kind of calm these freshmen down. 
he's going to use the guy you add in the rotation as just a pure shooter. You have Dezago, who's kind of been that guy, but now as a, as a starter, he's kind of, you know, that lift off the bench is just not there anymore. And I think when you have a guy like that, that can aid some of these more inconsistent shooters like a Michael Weathers, who's still developing, along with a guy like Mike Cunningham, who's another really good shooter, you just add a little more athleticism and you add a little bit more off the bench. And you don't have to necessarily rely on Contravius Jones and Duncan DeMuth and Maurice Kalou, who are still developing. When you have a little bit of an older guy that's had to sit out for a little bit, you know he's going to be itching. He's going he's gonna to just kind of have a green light all night. You know that's just yeah. how he's going to be. And now, granted, I expect there to be a lot of probably misses from that green light just from confidence and adrenaline. But I think he's going to be really good for this team moving forward just as another guy and more depth and you know, maybe limit the minutes for some of these guys and not have to put too, too much pressure on some of these freshmen that are playing off the bench outside of likely and your nay. Yeah, they can kind of put those guys – back and let them develop a little bit more with having an older, more experienced guy being able to play again. I think he's going to be huge. I think he'll be a difference maker right off the bat. So Yeah, when I went to the open practice, I'd, like, I'd heard of him, obviously, but I didn't really know too much about him. But I was really impressed with what I saw from him. Now, granted, this was an hour of an open practice, and this is where I also uh, mentioned that Yorane, I didn't think he was going to play at all, but here we are. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so shows how much I really know. Good old capital J journalism here. Uh, <laughs> But at the end of the day, um, you know, I've been impressed with an A, but I digress. Curtis Jones is a guy that I was really impressed with his athleticism, his ability to shoot from the corner. Uh, he really looked comfortable uh, on both corners, knocking down threes. And he can jump out of the gym, which was something that I was not expecting. But he's about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and he can jump and he can kind of play as a slashing guard. And I really like that. You know, out of him with Michael Weathers. Um, I think those two are going to play really well together because of uh, Weathers' ability to get to the rim at will. When the defense collapses, you have a guy to kick out two in the corner right there for an open three, and he can knock it down. So that second unit for Oklahoma State is going to be really, really good moving forward, and I think he's going to add a little more consistency to the offense, I hope. And I'm interested to see what he does. But you know, like I mentioned at the beginning, I think Nebraska is just too experienced. I think they're too talented right now. I think Oklahoma State will keep it close like they always do. They're going to fight till the end. I think they probably lose somewhere in the 10 to 12 range, kind of like the Houston game. But mm-hmm. um, I'm not feeling too bad about it going into the last two non-conference games. I think they play Central Arkansas after that on next Friday. So I think that should be a win. And then Texas A&M Corpus Christi, and then we're into conference play. So there's a couple wins there. Hopefully they can get back to 500 and going into the conference, and we'll see where it goes from there. I was going to say that. I kind of like having the two kind of easier games at the end of the non-conference schedule to kind of get your confidence built back up before you head into conference play so absolutely all right so i think that wraps up our talk on basketball we actually went a lot longer on that than i thought but i was i'm pretty impressed with our conversation there (laughs) and then so let's move on so this is something that philip and i talked about a little bit but there's really been no rumblings to it other than just speculation from us Um, but apparently mike yersuch has interviewed and has talked with tennessee about moving and becoming potentially their offensive coordinator and apparently the interview that he had earlier this week went really well uh, compared to other ones. So there might be a little bit of traction here. I still don't see him leaving, but because I just don't see him selling himself in the room well enough. Maybe that does. Maybe that's just head coaching jobs. Um, But I just, I'm still hesitant to say that he is for sure gone and I wish him gone. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, because first off, this would be a completely lateral move. Like he wouldn't really be, going for any kind of promotion, I guess. Um, But, you know, you be careful what you wish for, Oklahoma State fans, because, like, 
if he leaves, who is he gonna like? Who is gonna gonna go get like? Yeah, I, that's that's my biggest thought with this is if he does leave, okay, and then Oklahoma State fans are happy that he's gone because they don't like him. Well, watch the game, folks. He's a really really good offense coordinator, and I know Philip and I have talked about that a lot. Yes, he's had some inconsistent game plans, but on the whole, he has been great for Oklahoma State, and he's been great recruiting. Look at who he brought in, Mason Rudolph, and they brought in Spencer Sanders, who everyone thinks is going to be the starter next year. You know, and he was able to develop Taylor Cornelius and Taylor game plans to his strengths in some of these big games that Oklahoma State was able to win. What he was able to do with very limited offense at times is very impressive. I just, I also think moving to Tennessee is just not a great move considering how bad they are offensively. And yeah, like if we thought we had inconsistent quarterback play, go look at what Jared Garantano did for Tennessee. It was horrendous. My biggest and, thing here. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Based on what I've what I've been reading, Tennessee just doesn't run an offense that Mike Yurich would be anywhere near used to. Yeah, would he be able to bring in his offense? And maybe it'll work. Maybe it's just a scheme thing with what they have right now at Tennessee. So that that could make sense, and maybe it is the right fit, and they want to bring in a little more wide open offense with what he runs. But my biggest thing is, okay, he leaves, then where does Mike Gundy go? for his next offensive coordinator because I feel like he's he's had so many guys where he has in his early years and you know the late uh, 2000s or early 2010s you had Larry Fedora he had Todd Monken he had Dana Holgerson great offensive coordinators great offensive minds splashy hires just some of the best offenses that Oklahoma State's had and then they left for head coaching jobs and I feel like my Gundy got burned by so many of those guys leaving after one or two years that he doesn't want to take another splashy hire and I just don't yeah. see him doing that I mean he found Mike Yersich on the internet um, when he could have probably gotten a better option somewhere else is a you know more splashy hire, but then again they might not be here right now. We might we might have been doing an OC search two years ago. But yep. what we have here is I just think Mike Gundy's going to play it safe like he always does in every aspect of his coaching. Because yeah. if you look at the Jim Knowles hire, and Philip and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, he's Jim Knowles is probably not going to be a head, a head coach anywhere anytime soon. It's not like Glenn Spencer. He's probably going to be a guy that he is going to either be gone, you know, because his, his defense doesn't work, or he's just going to retire. I just see him playing it safe to the point where he wants someone here that, you know, is not going to leave for a better job or for greener pastures. He's going to try and take a guy that's going to be here for six or seven years, and then Gundy can retire, and then we probably have a coach turnover. But I just don't think he's going to take – I want him to take someone that's going to come in and revitalize the offense and revitalize the fan base that just feels like – kind of jaded by <coughs> Marcus Arroyo. <coughs> yeah, please. That, that'd be my first call, truly. But then again, that's kind of like, yeah, Marcus Arroyo would be my first call if Gundy, if, if Yursich does leave. However, that is a lateral move for him as well. And would he want to come back? I feel like he would only come back for a head coaching job. I don't think yeah. he would come back to become, come back and do the offense again. Cause he started running the offense a little bit in 16 before he, uh, before he left for Oregon where he's now the offensive coordinator. So yeah. I, I don't see him coming back here just to have the same position. I feel like he would want to be elevated, which is completely understandable. He's a great offensive mind and a great recruiter. If you look at a lot of the offense, he helped recruit them. So I, I'm i hesitant, and I don't want to jump to too many conclusions right now because I think he will be the Oklahoma State offensive coordinator in 2019. Yurcich will be. But yeah, this I is, agree. This I, don't, is, I don't think Yurcich is going to get the job at Tennessee. I, I, don't well, I mean, so. granted, that job is kind of wide open at this point because they exactly. haven't – I mean, it's taken forever because they haven't found anybody that they feel like would be a perfect fit. Yeah. And Mike Yurchich wouldn't be a perfect fit. 
So yeah, I mean, no, nobody. It's really hard to find a true offense coordinator, especially when your offense has been a dumpster fire for so long. Really, you can only go up from where you were at. So I think Yersich would be an improvement for them, but I just don't see him leaving. I think he'll still be the offense coordinator in 2019, and we'll see where it goes from there. Um, I don't expect to see him get a head coaching job anywhere unless it's maybe FCS. Um, I mean, he's had opportunities, and they just haven't gone through, which leads Philip and I to believe he just can't sell himself in a room. So maybe he's better suited as a you know Power 5 offense coordinator, FCS head coach. But for right now, I'm... I'm hesitant to really try and jump to conclusions and I don't want to speculate too much or try and think through too yeah. many more alternatives until we know for sure if he's going to leave or not. Now, if he if he does leave, then I'm all in on trying to find a brilliant offensive mind, you know, somewhere in the G5 or, you know, low power five and see what we can find. Or, you know, knowing Gundy, he'll go on YouTube and he'll find some, you know, NAIA or D3 coach and bring him in and they'll be here for six years and then we're back in the same spot. So who knows? Yeah, exactly. I I really don't think, much to the dismay of our fan base, apparently, I think Gertrude stays. Yep. Yeah, I, I would expect him to stay, but I've been surprised by this before, so who knows. Yeah. Uh, you have any final thoughts on this one here? Um, I mean, like I was saying earlier, just be careful what we wish for. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this talk. Um, we'll go, go into this briefly. One final thought. Um, the bowl gifts that uh, Oklahoma State is getting for the Liberty Bowl, they, since it's in Memphis, they're going to the giant like pyramid-like shopping uh, area, Bro Bass Pro Shops. Uh, they get a uh, Bose Bluetooth speaker, a Belova watch, Nike shoes, and then sandals, backpack, glasses, football. Um, so, I mean – like I know there, there's just not enough money for these guys, man. I don't know where they're getting all this, um, but you know, that's, it's cool. I, I think seeing the, all the stuff they get from bowl games is pretty dang cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the best pro shop thing, that'd be pretty darn cool. I know Spencer Sanders is going to get a lot of the hunting gear and then head back home for winter break. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, I feel like a lot of them would are going to enjoy oh, that. No, no. Best pro shop. Yeah. And no, I think that's a real, that's really cool. And I want to, I'm not even a huge, outdoorsy guy but i would love to go and see that the the pyramid like bass pro shops like that thing looks really cool i'm going to the game and i might have to go to bass pro shop <laughs> yeah no i'm jealous i really want to go to the game but i just can't afford it it sucks because i'm a senior and i wanted to go to at least one bowl game before i graduate that's why i was hoping it would be the texas bowl because i could at least rationalize uh going to that game but i can't rationalize a 10-hour trip yeah the only reason I'm going is because my parents were like, hey, we're going to go as a family. And I was like, okay. <laughs> hey, perfect. That makes it easy. There you go. All right. Well, I so, th- yeah, I think that wraps this one up. Do you have any final thoughts on anything else before we finish this up here? Um, I am excited about the game on Sunday, but I'm not expecting a whole lot. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, exactly. I I'm, don't have very high expectations either, but we kind of talked about that for a while, so. We'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm interested to see uh, how Mike Boynton gets his team ready. Obviously, everyone's going to be tired from finals and all that stuff, and I'm sure they'll have a few days to kind of recuperate and get ready and go Pokes beat Nebraska. Uh, all right. Thanks for coming on tonight, Micah. Before you leave, where can everyone follow you on Twitter if they aren't already? At MicahAllen18, M-I-C-A-H-A-L-L-E-N, 18. All right, you can follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. Follow my other podcasts at Royals Farm. Uh, Royals Farm Report. Uh, we just had a uh, episode actually go up on Wednesday, uh, talking about the Rule Five draft coming up on Thursday. So new Royals players will be drafted and be on the team, and it's exciting time. Uh, we're about 
think, 63 days till pitchers and catchers report. So I am getting excited for the baseball season. Um, Me too. Absolutely. All right. Have a good one, everybody. And we will talk to you on Sunday. All right.